Nerdy. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for your nerdy gifts and talents, Jack. Where would we be without them? In the dark ages, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot that we can all bring to the world. Nerdiness is definitely something I can bring to the world. <laughs> for sure. The thing I bring, um, unfortunately, is forgetfulness, which is why we're having a bit of a weird episode tonight, aren't we, Jack? <laughs> we are, yeah. We haven't. You realise we haven't actually started yet? Have we not? Oh, yes, no. we haven't, have we? No, we haven't actually formally started yet. I was all primed and ready to go. We're just doing the banter bit beforehand, although this is quite good beforehand banter bit. <laughs> what qualifies as beforehand banter and after band afterhand well i don't even know what i'm saying before and after what just the hello yeah but i mean like we do that little bit at the start don't we where if we've recorded ourselves saying something silly or bantery then we kind of chuck it on before the opening credits absolutely you're quite right i feel a lot of pressure now i'm under huge pressure to think of something witty <laughs> We don't generally do after credit stuff. I mean, this is not an Avengers movie. But we should. (laughs) We should. Okay, maybe this week we'll do a little after credits bit. Stay tuned at the end. That's also too much pressure. I can't cope. It's too much. It's too much. Let's just have a chat, Jack. See what happens. Yeah. Should 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 we start? Properly, yes. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Hello everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of the Catholic Banter Podcast. I am still Jack Regan. I'm still Lizzie Wakeling. Awesome. What tier are you in, Lizzie? I'm in tier two. I'm currently in tier two, uh, but by the time this goes out, I'll probably be in tier three. Boo. Although I have to say, it basically just means the pubs are closed and I haven't been to a pub since the beginning of the year. So to me, it's going to make very little difference. Um can't eat out haven't eaten out for ages since the beginning of all this so you know to me it doesn't it's fine as it was i'm just hanging out at home like i have been all year (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, well yeah that's the same for us really i mean we've got a little baby well we've got a little toddler so when you've got little kids you don't go out much anyway so it's probably pretty much for us what it would be we're in tier two there was talk of us going down to tier one but the cases are shooting up at the minute so i very much doubt that's going to happen I'll tell you what, though, I'm excited about the vaccine. It's finally here. I know. You've been going on about the vaccine since, like, April, Jack. I'm, yeah, I, I thought of you. When they said, yay, there's going to be a vaccine, I thought, gosh, Jack will be happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know people that have been vaccinated, but they won't uh, vaccinate people like us yet. They're no. going to have to wait a while. But apparently they don't have that many doses. This Pfizer vaccine. Oh, yeah, there it's are minimal. Yeah. something like 5 million doses. Yeah. But apparently the Oxford vaccine... When the Oxford vaccines approved, which could be before the end of the year, but probably early next year, they've got like tens of millions of doses yeah. ready to go. Absolutely. But apparently it's a question of how they actually get it into people's arms because each GP surgery would have to do like many hundreds a day in order to vaccinate people in any kind of a reasonable time frame. Yeah, well, pharmacies and stuff as well, because I don't think that one's got the same issues around um, temperature, has it? I don't think that's a minus 70 degree issues, which, see, I was properly nerd geeking out because my background, as we know, is pharmacy. So when they were talking about, you know, the cold chain and the logistics of administering it, I was just like, this is so cool. I I almost wish I was still part of that world so I could kind of get involved in this. But um, yeah, 
I, I don't really because what I'm doing now is awesome serving God in this way so I, I wouldn't change it for the world but um yeah so that that vaccine will be easier to distribute through other channels as well you won't have to have these hubs which is good and apparently I see I've, I've been doing the maths a little bit I reckon they reckon about 15% of people have had COVID now which means theoretically I know they can't quite decide on this but that means theoretically they're immune or immune-ish then there's loads of children they're not going to vaccinate them and then they reckon 60% of people vaccinated is the key to like getting us over the hump so we need to get 50% of the rest of people vaccinated or something like that don't know the statistics um i was just trying to find something online actually about because there was some issues around the vaccines weren't there from a catholic ethics and morality point of view um, i think the bishops have said the they're okay. bishops have said they're okay so yeah i was just for anyone that was still concerned about that i was going to just find that on the website because while you're, while you're looking for that i should just explain to our listeners um who include a celebrity we found out recently um we, we we weren't embarrassing but apparently we have a celebrity listener quite quite a minor celebrity he's on imdb that counts for me as a celebrity for sure yeah 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> but um yeah but we, we have we have a little bit of a, a different episode today um we were going to do the next episode of that discovery course thing that we did a few episodes ago lizzie doesn't have the book with her or whatever she needs to do that we haven't prepared anything else so what we thought we'd do is we thought we'd have an unscripted episode where we just kind of went for it like i I don't know if any of you used to watch bedeal and skinner unplanned two comedians they just basically did an episode where they had no plan and they just kind of went for it um we're basically doing that we really have no plan for this episode we're just going to see what it turns into i'm very excited because this is very un you jack you're quite sort of an organized person you you like a plan you like to know what's happening whereas I, i'm quite happy to wing stuff and see where it goes you know um so and, but i do apologize that i left that at the office and then i didn't you're have forgiven time. Lizzie. thank you so much you're so kind it's something to look forward to in the new year i feel definitely but definitely. coming back to the vaccines um bishop's mm. actually my very own bishop bishop richard moth was the one that wrote this article for the bishop's conference about the vaccines because there were some concerns around um it coming from fetal cells that from an aborted yeah. fetus but Bishop Richard and the Bishops of England and Wales are saying that um, the overall good that comes from the receiving the vaccine outweighs the issues that would be because there's been a long enough time since those cells are extracted that the gap is is it's more morally um, correct to have the vaccine than it is to refuse it on those grounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm no uh, I'm no scientist, but from what I gather basically the way it works is some of these cells were extracted way back when yeah and there is a kind of a relationship between the vaccine we've now got but it's kind of it's like a distant cousin for sure it's not like directly derived from it um and i think if to be honest this sounds like a bit of a cop-out but if we kind of shun everything that's got a vague relation to anything that's ever touched anything we disagree with then we'll never blink and do anything will we it's hard though because sometimes you feel like oh, i want to give money to a charity because i think it's a good cause but then you have to be careful because maybe they do like stem cell research or something so i think it's important as a catholic to be mindful of um those kinds of moral issues yeah definitely um, 
yeah, and I know I was speaking to a school chaplain about sort of Red Nose Day and stuff, and they, you know, why the kids were like, why don't we, you know, do money for Red Nose, raise money for Red Nose Day in school? And she sort of had to explain to them actually the money doesn't always go to, you know, ethical causes and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Wasn't necessarily what we were planning to talk about tonight, but like you said, we didn't have a plan for what we were going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Can I can I tell you something big that's about to happen in the Regan household? Yes, please. I, I cannot think of even the slightest Catholic angle on this whatsoever. There's no ethics angle, no theology angle, but tomorrow Timothy starts potty training. Um, I don't know what to say to that, Jack. Um, good luck, I guess, is possibly. <laughs> Any of the parents listening will know that this is a fraught time and a messy time right. because without without putting too fine a point on it not everything hits the potty in the beginning um so you know it's 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 a difficult time in a household and so I'm... what's so what's the discernment process for deciding when is the right time let's let's bring well, a bit of bit of spirituality what what are the signs that you're looking for sure <laughs> well for me as, as a father the sign i look for whenever we need to do anything with timothy is you know the key sign that I really really look out for is my wife saying to me <laughs> it's time to do this. That is always the sign that uh, you know it's time to sort of take a step in a certain direction. And Jilly has decided that it's time for potty training. Two and a half is generally considered okay. about the time, so sure, sure. Uh, we're we're going for it. Jilly's taking the lead, thank God. Um, luckily, I'm leading an online retreat Friday and Saturday, so okay. I'm going to be out of the house for most of the first two days. But you of will training. be praying for her fervently throughout, I imagine. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. darling little guy, how is he? Timothy's he's really good. He's is really he, good. Yeah, is, yeah. Is he's... two and a half old enough to be excited about Christmas? Can you be excited kno- about a weird Christmas like this? What's happening in the yeah, Regan household? He knows that stuff is happening that's exciting. We've tried to tell him it's Jesus's birthday. Um, he's got his advent calendar, which is like a big bit of felt. There's a nativity scene, and every day he gets Aww. like something and pits it on the nativity scene. Awesome. And I, yeah, I think he knows something quite cool is happening, but I think. Uh, He's not quite there yet. Oh, that's so But, cute. I mean, Christmas Day is actually his half birthday, so he'll be two and a half on Christmas Day. So I think by June, by the time it's his next birthday, I think he'll understand that very well. And I think next Christmas he'll be all over it. Brilliant. That's so cool. I got a little video of my goddaughter the other day. Um, she said to her dad, I want to do the godly play. And he was like, um... Okay. And so she went upstairs, she put on her little frozen dress, put a little towel over her head, said, I am Mary. She got all her teddies and lined them up around like a baby in like a little sort of trough thing that she had. And she just started saying prayers to baby Jesus for a wonderful Christmas. And it was so cute. It absolutely melted my heart. She's gorgeous. Um, Mm. If you're listening, Evie, which you're not because you're four, um, I love (laughs) you. That's really nice. That that puts a question in my head, Lizzie. Mm. Um, which feasts in the year, which feasts, holidays, general things in the liturgical calendar do you get most excited and enriched by? Um, hmm. Can I just be a bit controversial and say I prefer Easter to Christmas? <gasps> Ooh. Well, it's, it's interesting because... You're supposed to prefer Easter to Christmas because Easter is actually a big deal. The sure. Easter Tridum yeah. is like the climax of everything. I'm a, I was actually thinking I want to be controversial and say I prefer Christmas to Easter. Do you? 
Why? Yeah, just simply because I. I mean, don't get me wrong. Easter's great. It's like the victory of God over death. Amen. I just think there's a certain, the whole kind of, our God loved us so much that He came into the world to be with us and to be one of us. Um, I know, kind of Jesus is. Uh, well, I mean, you know, in, in the sort of the kind of the five foundational truths of the faith, the incarnation and the Paschal mystery are both there. Um, so they're equal. I don't know. It's just Christmas just hits me a bit more. You know, the fact that Jesus conquered death and rose again. Don't get me wrong. That's a huge thing in my life. It's just personally on a, a kind of on a heart level, I guess. The fact that Jesus came to earth to be one of us, to live with us, to love us. That just, I don't know, it just gets me a bit more. I feel like maybe it's just because the length of time of Lent and then, as you say, the Triduum um, services. I just feel like you go on more of it or I go on more of a journey through Lent, perhaps kind of a renewal yeah. and a, a metanoia and kind of that repentance. And, and kind of, whereas because I guess maybe because Christ, Christmas has been a bit more secularized, you do, I, I find I don't necessarily kind of, I don't feel I'm necessarily able to journey in quite the same way because you're worrying about getting presents and, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with Christmas, which yeah. I feel detracts from a little bit. So maybe, I would prefer Christmas if I did it properly. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I've got a definite view about Christmas and the secularization of Christmas. Because mm-hmm. I mean, um, it used to really wind me up that kind of people that have got no interest in Jesus do Christmas. I mean, I remember once I was um, part of a discussion, and this one guy was an atheist, and he was trying to he was trying to kind of wind up the Christians in the conversation, and he was talking about the God delusion. Okay, yeah just complete garbage but um we'll, we'll, we'll do that at some point but um he he said he just with with no word of a lie with no hint of irony with no understanding of what he was doing he said oh yeah the god delusion that's a really good book i got it for christmas last year <laughs> and everyone in the conversation was like do you not see what you've just done oh, I love but, irony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was a beautiful moment but i think my view is i i kind of like the fact that um christmas is a time where love is shared and do i wish everybody was uh an on fire christian who understood what it was really about of course i do but the people who aren't i kind of like the fact that they are feeling more love and exchanging love with each other and focusing on goodwill and peace at Christmas. And I think in doing that, even if they don't realise it, they're getting a bit of Jesus. And I wish them well. And I'd rather they had that bit Aww. of Jesus that they didn't know where it came from. Jack, that's than had lovely. <laughs> I am lovely. This, this, you know, it's true. It is true. It is true. You are lovely. But that, that is beautiful. Um, yeah. 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 So I kind of, I mean, when, when, when this happens, I just I pray for those people that they'll, uh, you know, they'll get to know what it's all about. But I'm I'm glad that they because I think where there is, you know, as the old Taisy chant tells us, where there where there is love and charity, there is God, and they're getting a bit of God even if they don't realise it. So yeah, I like that that happens at Christmas. That's cool. Yeah, that doesn't really happen so much at Easter, does it? It's just a nice long weekend where people can do their back gardens and stuff, isn't it? It's, DIY, yeah. it's a DIY holiday for most people, the Easter bank yeah. holiday, isn't it? We had a question from a listener. Oh, did we? We did. Um, wow. This was from the lovely Susie. I meant to bring this up before. She wanted us to explore the idea of Catholic guilt. 
Susie D. Susie D. Yeah, gorgeous. Oh, I love Susie, Susie D. I love yeah, Susie she's D. Brilliant. Yeah, she wanted us to explore the, the the concept of Catholic guilt, and I think it's something that we're all sort of vaguely familiar with that perhaps you have to do things yeah. out of a sense of duty because you know that's that's what we should do and what we ought to do and 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 where is this kind of line where actually you know maybe sometimes self-care is a bit important and actually i need that time for myself to pray rather than to give it away or do whatever um yeah so any thoughts on that would be really cool jack yeah, I, I, here's what I reckon about Catholic guilt. I mean, the whenever I think of Catholic guilt, I think of kind of stereotyped cultural Catholics mm. who um, are just kind of going to mass and living the teachings of the church to the extent that they are because they're afraid of what will happen to them if they don't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the wrong way to live the faith. That is the equivalent of getting married because you don't want to end up alone rather than getting married because you love somebody um that's what i think of when i think of catholic guilt and i don't think it's a good thing i think the way that the faith should work the dynamic that we should have is that we have a relationship with god we know that we are loved by god and that love brings joy to us and that love makes us happy and that love bursts out of us and it's because of that love bursting out of us that we do the things we do and not because of guilt i think the other th I'd, I'd sort of add a slight minority report to that which is that i think um a bit of guilt can be healthy because ignatius you know the great saint ignatius talked mm -hmm. about consolation and desolation mm -hmm. and what he meant is there are times when we're really feeling it and there are times when we're really not feeling it and actually the point is that even when you're in those times of desolation you've still got to kind of bring it jesus wise um <laughs> he didn't use the phrase bring it jesus wise but you've still got a kind of uh what am i trying to say you've still got a kind of walk the walk and talk the talk and i yeah. think actually when we're in those times of desolation which we all are quite a lot um yeah. you need a little bit of a something to just keep you on track call it guilt call it conscience call it a sense of duty so you need a bit of that but i don't think it should kind of wrap us with fear certainly the kind of the model of catholic faith where people are just afraid of the angry god who's going to smite them and so that's the only reason they go to mass that's the only reason they keep their relationships pure that's the only reason they give to charity i don't think that is at all what god has in mind no for sure you said an interesting word there you said the word conscience um mm. fascinating and controversial word in catholic theology yeah we have a duty to inform our conscience don't we but i think sometimes people think conscience is just um oh, it's what feels right yeah yeah it feels, exactly. it feels right so that's that's okay um but actually we have a real duty to inform our conscience yeah i mean the the, the catholic church has a teaching called the primacy of conscience um which basically means that we are duty-bound to do what we believe is right and that we are duty-bound not to do something that we believe is wrong. Mm. So basically, if we are ever in a situation where we feel that a certain church teaching is just not right, then we are obliged to follow our conscience than to follow that teaching, okay? But, and there's a big old but here, okay? Okay. <laughs> big old but, see what I did there? <laughs> Did, did not mean to do that okay there's a um there's a big old however here How yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, I like big howevers and I cannot lie. Okay, um, <laughs> there's a big old however here. The church really, in, in my view, the church doesn't like talking about conscience because what people hear is people hear if I don't want to do that thing, that means I don't have to do it. Mm. That means I can do what I want. Mm. If I can convince myself that, I don't know, pick your favourite controversial church teaching, sex outside marriage is right for me. If I can convince myself that I disagree with the church teaching, then I can do what I want to do. Sure. But the key word is actually the teaching isn't primacy of conscience. The teaching is primacy of an informed conscience. Yeah. And actually what we are obliged to do is if we find ourselves in a situation where we disagree with the church, mm. um, and that is envisaged as being something rare and serious, mm. okay, if we find ourselves in that position, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pray like crazy. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to find out what the church teaches and why. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to seek wise counsel, okay, and we are supposed to genuinely and honestly open ourselves up to the will of god we're supposed to get ourselves in a place where we are saying jesus i really want to do what you want me to do here and we're supposed to keep praying and keep studying and keep seeking counsel and if after we've genuinely done that we still find ourselves disagreeing then we are obliged to follow our conscience but to be clear you know that is envisaged as being something quite rare and quite unusual um, I think there's two extremes here. There's two sort of polar opposites. One extreme is people basically saying, oh, that means you can do what you want. The other extreme is when people say um, there's no such thing as conscience. You know, you must blindly follow what the church says, even if you disagree with it. Actually, the church doesn't say that itself. Mm. Um, you know, the church says that actually there are some teachings that are so serious that if you find yourself disagreeing with those teachings, then you put yourself outside the visible boundaries of the church. Mm. Um, but the church says you must, you know, you must follow your conscience. And I'm worried, I'm, I'm so worried about saying the right thing here and not leading people astray that I'm going to check this in the catechism before we uh <laughs> before we actually publish the podcast. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's important, yeah. isn't it, you know? People's mm. souls depend on it, Jack. We've got to make sure we say yeah, the right thing. <laughs> absolutely. And I think the the thing I would say to anybody struggling with your faith, because I mean, when 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 we're we're all quite young in faith and when we're kind of growing, we all have teachings that we struggle with. You know, I had a load of teachings that I struggled with. Um and I think the temptation when you're in that place mm. is to um the temptation when you're in that place is to hear this whole primacy of conscience thing and think, great, rope yeah, ladder, for sure. up it I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, that is not what the church has in mind. The The concept of somebody going a different way from a church teaching, having gone through a genuine process of informing their conscience and praying and reflecting, is envisaged as being something very, very rare. Yeah, okay? yeah, for sure. Um, and I would actually say as well that if someone does feel that their conscience is drawing them down that road my personal advice would be never stop praying about it yeah. never stop seeking guidance i'm just going to look in the catechism actually okay i'm just going to keep chatting a little bit about um the way i've heard it been described recently which is sort of difficulties versus doubts and in a way it's okay to have difficulties with church teachings um but it then becomes a dangerous thing to have doubts um, because the the person that I was listening to, um, 
that speak on this, he was talking about Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And he was told, you know, your wife's going to have a son. And he went, no, don't be daft. That's ridiculous. And he was punished by God. He was <laughs> he was made silent until the birth of John the Baptist. He went, OK, we'll call him John. And they was like, OK, fine. Yeah, you can have your, your voice back. As opposed to Mary's fiat where the angel said right you're going to have a baby and she didn't go oh my goodness no that's must be wrong she went oh okay but just can you clarify for me how can that be <laughs> like yeah. and so that's just the difference between a difficulty and a doubt it's okay to have these difficulties and say i i trust you god and I, and I sort of get what you're saying, but if you could just give me a little bit more detail, that would be really helpful. And that's kind of the informing bit, isn't it? Kind of, and actually, you know, as you say, when you're more immature in your faith, um, there might be some teachings that are just really obscure to you. But the ones that you have come to understand and believe to be true help you kind of trust in that mystery and kind of trust in that kind of, well, I'm not quite sure, but I do trust you, God. And if that's what you're telling me, I'm going to give it a go and live yeah. this way, this teaching, this truth. And actually, as you live those kind of teachings, that's when the, the reality and the, and the understanding and the depth comes from you go, do you know what? You were right, God. <laughs> this is a good way to live. <laughs> you know what? I, I've, I was just about to say that very thing. Um, mm. When I was sort of young in faith, I, I sort of tried to get myself out of certain church teachings because I didn't like what they implied and I didn't like what they were what I thought they were leading me towards but actually I've genuinely found without exception that all of them have led me to a good life yeah. you know I'm very very happy now and actually the things I was afraid of when I was younger you know none of them have none of those fears have come to pass I've found the bit in the catechism great go for um, it basically um okay so Catechism of the Catholic Church, CCC 1786. Faced with a moral choice, conscience can make either a right judgment in accordance with reason and the divine law, or, on the contrary, an erroneous judgment which departs from them. Man is sometimes confronted by situations that make moral judgments less assured and decisions difficult. In other words, life can get tricky. Yep. But he must always seriously seek what is right and good and discern the will of God expressed in divine law. To this purpose, man strives to interpret the data of experience and the signs of the times, assisted by blah, 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 blah. Kind of going off the point here. But um, a few paragraphs down, CCC 1790 talks about erroneous judgment. It talks about when we get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Because, by the way, when our conscience leads us away from where the church is, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that we're right. That means that we're wrong, but it means that we're not responsible for being wrong. Mm -hmm. The church calls it erroneous judgment or sometimes invincible ignorance. In invincible ignorance. That's quite yeah. a statement. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the phrase invincible ignorance appears in the catechism, but I think that's, that's a phrase that's used. But this is what the church says about that. A human being must always obey the certain judgment of his conscience. If he were to deliberately act against it, he would condemn himself. Yet it can happen that moral conscience remains in ignorance and makes erroneous judgments about acts to be performed or already committed. This ignorance can often be imputed to personal responsibility. In other words, sometimes the ignorance isn't invincible. Sometimes our conscience can go wrong because we haven't taken the time to do that process properly that I talked about. Sure. 
CCC 1791, this ignorance can often be imputed to personal responsibility. This is the case when a person takes little trouble to find out what is true and good, or when conscience is by degrees almost blinded through the habit of committing sin. In such cases, the person is culpable for the evil he commits. So in other words, boys and girls, don't rush in to this whole I disagree with the church thing. You've got to go through that process properly. If you don't go through that process properly, then, you know, when you get up there and stand before God, he will say, no, you didn't do that right. <laughs> yep. In that exact voice, with that exact finger wag that you did, Jack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's I like God, I'm, I'm... God created us for a relationship of love and he created us to be, you know, the, the point of, of, of life and living, you know, is to become more fully who God created us to be, right? Yeah. And the yeah. church has given us a blueprint for that. It's yeah. literally like, do you know, you want to do that? Here you go. <laughs> mm. And for us to kind of go, well, I don't like that bit of the blueprint. I'm mm. just going to cut that out and or I'm just going to mm. scribble that bit. Like... It does. It does detract from the beauty of the gift that he's given us, doesn't it? To it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Does uh going back like two conversations? Um, because she was asking about Catholic guilt. Does Susie listen to the pod? Yeah, of course she does. Hi, Susie. Oh, hello, Susie. Ah, <laughs> oh, Susie's brilliant. Yeah. Um. Right. Um. Another thing I want to raise in this unscripted show. I'm currently reading right about the seven ecumenical councils. Ooh, yeah. fancy. <laughs> and it's, re it's really interesting. Is it good? Right? I'm, I'm going to explain this because it's really cool. I love this, okay? It took a while for the church to um, kind of figure out what it believed, okay? After Jesus died, we spent a few hundred years going, that was weird, wasn't it? What happened there? So it took a while for us to figure out what the Trinity meant, what the incarnation meant, uh, is this Jesus guy God? Is he human? Is he both? If he's both, how does that work? So it took a long time for us to work out our theology. And councils obviously are where all the bishops of the church get together and thrash things out. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and the first seven ecumenical councils, okay, were basically the first, well, sorry, the seven ecumenical councils were the councils where the majority of our theology was thrashed out, okay? Sure. And actually, the reason why it's good to know about these is because if you understand them, then you understand the main bits about our faith, and you also have a great lesson in history, which is actually quite cool. So, like, you've got the first two councils where basically they thrashed out the Trinity, mm -hmm. um, the Council of Nicaea, mm -hmm. followed by the Council of Constantinople. I think Nicaea was 325. Mm -hmm. I think Constantinople was 381. Mm -hmm. They thrashed out the Trinity. Constantinople especially sort of thrashed out the Holy Spirit and kind of added that in to the understanding of the Trinity. Then the next four councils, kind of three, four, five, and six, they were all about, well, we know Jesus is God, but what about Jesus's humanity? What does it mean that Jesus was a human being? And they worked out that Jesus was one person with two natures, fully human and yet fully God. Mm -hmm. um, and then the seventh was all about icons, which is kind of cool as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really good because like, if you understand the, the seven ecumenical councils, then you understand a whopping amount about the faith. And I'm actually, the book I'm reading is actually written from the Orthodox perspective. Um, I like Eastern Orthodox stuff. I think it's brilliant. Um, but the seven ecumenical councils are, are respected by Catholics, Orthodox and Protestant sure. alike. Yeah. There are a small group of Orthodox called the Oriental Orthodox who split away uh, before 
the seven councils were complete, but the vast majority, like literally 98% of the Christian world, respect these seven councils. And it's yeah, it's very cool. So if you want a cool history lesson and uh, a really interesting look at Christian theology, then it's worth uh, reading about the seven councils. Can I can I tell you a really um, a proper nerd joke that I read on Facebook earlier? Um, it's from a page called Unvirtuous Abbey, which can sometimes be quite funny. Um, so uh, this is, uh, I want a Santa movie where he's actually St. Nicholas of Myra. Three kids run away from home and find a portal to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Then the kids watch him debate the promulgation of canon law. In the end, they return home and tell their parents that presents aren't important so long as Pentecost is counted 50 days after Easter on the Roman solar calendar and not the Jewish lunar calendar. And the kids tell their parents the whole story and their dad is like, those kids and their imaginations. But then he sees a piece of paper in the dog's mouth and goes, what you got there, boy? Is that um, orders from the Holy See that the schismatic bishop Meletius is to remain in Lycopolis and keep his episcopal title, but the ecclesiastics ordained by him must again receive the laying on of hands. But how? And then he gazes off to the sky and you hear a light jingling of bells and then a voice over goes, ho, ho, ho. The baptisms performed by the Paulian heretics are invalid. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Fair enough. Does that fit in with what you were you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Tell totally you what I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I read it earlier and I just was like, I've got to share that with someone because it's it's quite specific humour there. So I thought you might get it. No, it's good. It's good. I, that, I like I like Catholic in jokes. I really do. I can't think of any right now off the top of my head, but you know, yeah. There's been quite. A, few really good memes going around like covid memes i saw a really good one the other day and it was kind of a bit of a mickey take of the footprints in the sand poem and so like there's a cartoon of jesus and a a guy and like the footprints diverge and he's like and that was where i observed social distancing (laughs) (laughs) tim vine who is uh, yeah, a Christian comedian? He's he's a really really great guy. I've met him actually. Have really you? nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He he used to do the Youth Work Summit, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, he um he does a great version of Footprints in the Sand. He sort of reads the whole thing in a really spiritual voice and a really loving voice. And then at the very end, he says, "At that lowest time in your life, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that we both started hopping." <laughs> <laughs> the way and the the way he does it is brilliant. It must be on YouTube. I'll put a oh, link in the description yeah, if it is. I'll have a look for that. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I used to, I used to work for the Dominicans and like the Dominicans, um the Dominicans are a great group of people. I've got all the time of the world for them, but they kind of tell Dominican jokes. And, sure. Oh man, these Dominican jokes are just so bad. When you're surrounded by Dominicans you have to kind of, you know, laugh. But don't get me wrong, if there's any Dominicans listening I love you guys, but your Dominican humour is terrible. Okay, for instance, okay, there's a Dominican, a Jesuit and a Franciscan arguing about which one of them's best, okay? Okay. And you know, they all have, religious orders all have post-nominals. So Dominicans have OP after their name, yep. Franciscans have CFR or um, OFM cap, depending on which Franciscans there are. Jesuits have SJ. Anyway, so they're arguing about which which of them is best. And the Dominicans say, oh, you know, we're the best for this reason. And the Jesuits say, no, 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 we're the best because of this, this and this. And the Franciscans say, ah, but St. Francis, this is all the stuff he did. 
And then as they're talking, a note falls from the sky and the note says, my dear children, there is no need to argue about such silly matters. And the note signed, God, OP. <laughs> that's that's Dominican humour. It's it's terrible. Oh, I quite like that. That was quite cute. The Dominicans have contributed so much good stuff to the church, but really not their humour. <laughs> We we are at my my little recording thing says thirty eight minutes. Yeah, mine um, too. A little bit of that is going to be us talking beforehand, but um, basically, I think you know, given that I think we've done well for an unscripted I've episode. I've had a lovely time, Jack. Yeah, we we've yeah. done conscience, we've done ecumenical councils, we've done Catholic humour, we've done a little bit of vaccine um, kind of ethics. Mm-hmm. We've yeah, we've we've really it's been a bit of a tour de force. It's been good. We should do this it's been, more often. We should, yeah. And, and there's not a huge amount to prepare, which yeah. is which is great. If any <laughs> listeners have got any questions that can inspire future conversations to save us doing any prep, please do let us know. How can they get in touch with us, Jack? Oh, good point. I always forget to say this. Yes, they can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. On both platforms, we are at Catholic Bants. Catholic B-A-N-T-S. And while we're at it, people, the other thing I often forget to say is please be nice. Go to the Apple Store or wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a nice five-star review. That way we will shoot up the charts. More people will hear about us and you'll get to say that you were listening when we were small and niche. <laughs> Are we going to sing business? a Christmas carol to like finish off the year? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, he's got his guitar. Go for it, Jack. No, we're not is the answer. Oh. Maybe that might be the outtakes at the end. The, the thing is, we couldn't we couldn't do a Christmas royalties. carol in the outtakes at the end because yeah, royalties. We'd have to get permission to use it. I tell you what, I like though. I like uh, folk angel, O come Emmanuel. Okay, I've it's written really my nice. own little one. We could do that. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> we could, yeah. Stick around. This is like an Avengers movie. There may be an after credit scene. They, might, they probably won't be. <laughs> they probably won't be though. <laughs> Should we pray? Yes, please. Whose turn is it? I can't remember. You go. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Father, thank you so much for bringing us together. Um, thank you for the fact that even in the middle of COVID, you bless us so richly. You love us. And thank you for the fact that, as we remember at this time, you sent your Son to be with us, to love us, to teach us, to heal us, and ultimately to save us. You didn't forget us. You didn't leave us alone. You've got a plan for us because we're all in your heart. And we thank you so much for that. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As as it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now now, and ever ever shall be, world world without end. Amen. Amen. So are we going to do a little after the credits scene? No. (laughs)